we're going to continue in this series, and it's called More Than Enough. Anybody, anybody looking forward to walk in the more than enough life God has for them? If that's you, make some noise in this place. Like, if you're looking just to settle, that's okay. No harm done. I respect it. But if you're looking to live the more than enough life God has for you, make some noise in this place. And so I love that Anna reviewed last week's message because I had it in my notes to review last week's message, but she already had it down pat. Come on, somebody. You know you're excited when someone could quote all your points in a row. Hey, Um, but I want to share just principle alert, principle alert, that if we want to live the more than enough life that God has for us, let me give you a quick principle. And right off the bat, right off the bat, I'm going to give you just just a, a sweet little point that you could write down, you could frame it, you could put it on Facebook. Somebody needs to Facebook this right now. And it's this. Faith in the person of Jesus will escort you to heaven. But following the principles of Jesus will escort heaven to earth. That was a good time to say amen right there. Come on, somebody. So faith in the person of Jesus will escort you to heaven, but following the principles of Jesus will escort heaven to earth. If we're ever going to walk in everything that God has for us, I I need you to listen to this. When you place your faith in Jesus, you are on a one-way trip ticket to heaven. There's nothing you can do to change God's mind about you. God loves you just the way you are, as you are, where you are. God loves you just the way you are. And when you place your faith in him, when you place your trust in him, guess what? We get to make it to heaven. But here's another part. When you learn to follow, if you want to live like Jesus, walk like Jesus, and do the things that Jesus did, then he's called us to follow his principles. And when you follow his principles, then he gets to escort heaven here on earth. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to be sharing some principles today. I'm going to share some things today. I want to teach us a little bit today, but I want you to hear it with the right filter. How many know you can hear the, you can hear a good thing, but hear it the wrong way? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I want to make sure that what I, you're not hearing what I'm not saying. Come on, somebody. Like, listen, literally yesterday. My wife, Lee, jumps in the car and she says, I went to Jersey and filled the car up with gas. And when I drove off, off, the gas dispenser was still stuck to the car and I drove off with it. And she said, when I came, I was like, oh my God, I came back and the attendant there was like, are you okay? Let me grab this from you. Oh, I know what happened. I gave you the ticket and you thought I was done. And she was like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And I was like, basically what you're telling me is that you were flirting with him the whole time. So, 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 so you could be hearing the, the wrong thing, right? She's sharing, she's sharing with me a story, but I'm listening to it with the wrong filter. And I just want to make sure that you're hearing today's message with the right filter. The Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So as you hear this, know that this is not to guilt trip you to death or guilt trip you to action. How many know that life is not a guilt trip? It's a faith journey. That was bars right there. That was bars. So I want to take you to our passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It's the first time I ever speak on this passage of scripture, so I'm excited about it. And it says this, remember this, everybody say remember. 
the one who paints few seeds will have a small harvest. But the one who plants a lot will have a big harvest. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. In your heart to give. What, what, is, the, what, is, the, what is it that we're going to do on March 10th? We're going to celebrate Heart to Give Sunday where we come and give what God has placed in our heart to give. You should not give if it makes you unhappy or if you feel forced to give. I want to tell you as a pastor here at, of this church, like, I never want it to be that you're giving forcefully or because you've been manipulated or because you've been coerced or because somehow we guilt trip you to give. I want to make sure that as we share this, you're hearing it as an opportunity that God has presented to you to simply do or an act or walk in an act that's already part of your DNA. Let me read it from the, oh, it, go, it continues to say, God loves those who are happy to give. And I want to read to you from the new, the NIV translation. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Last week we spoke about the fragrance of generosity. But this week in part two, by the way, if you missed out on last week's message, it's on YouTube. I want to make sure that you go back and listen to it. But this week we're going to talk about the attitude of a cheerful giver. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, tell them check your attitude, baby. Tell them, check your attitude. Check your attitude. Help me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments that we have together, Lord. Speak through me, Lord, what you have for our church, Lord. Let it be none of me and all of you. Let your love and strength be perfected in my weakness. Thank you for giving me the awesome privilege of pastoring such an amazing church, having some amazing children, and being married to the most amazing woman on the planet. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Give God a praise in this room. Christ Uncensored, uh, can I ask you this question? How many would agree that attitude makes a difference? Right? <laughs> I love having Angie in the front. <laughs> no, Kuha's not the same when Angie's not in the front. Um, attitude, how many agree that attitude make a difference? That you can do the right thing with the wrong attitude. This is not the time to look at the person next to you. Come on, somebody. You can do the right thing with the wrong attitude. And, and I think that how many agree that you've had this interaction with people, you've had maybe an encounter with certain people that it's not necessarily what they said is, oh, yeah, yeah, I met them too. Yeah, yeah I met them too. It's not what they said. It's, it's really about how they said it, the attitude behind it, which brings me to, Dunkin' Donuts. I'm going to be honest. I have this like, I have this love-hate relationship with Dunkin' Donuts. Love and hate relationship. Meaning like, I love their caramel lattes. But some of these franchises, I hate their service. And so, and so for me, it's like, I, I, some of you guys have seen these interactions. Some of you have heard a rumor about these interactions. But sometimes when I have these interactions with the, the uh, beautiful employees at Dunkin' Donuts, again, I love the lattes. But sometimes I have these weird interactions where I'm like, am I in the twilight zone? 
like Ashton Kutcher is about to come out and talk about we're exposing pastors everywhere. Because I don't, I can't even make sense of it. Not too long ago, I'm going through a Dunkin' Donuts driveway. And I'm listening to worship as I always do as I accompany myself in the car. <laughs> and so I'm going through a Dunkin' Donuts uh, drive through and as I'm crossing uh, uh, the, 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 the menu, I say, I say, let me get my order. My order is an I, a medium ice caramel latte with oat milk, less ice, and a little bit of whipped cream on the top with a little bit of caramel. Just, okay. And he goes, okay, that's what you want? Yes, that's all I want. Okay, so then I go now by the, the window, and what I see come before me is a chocolate-looking-like substance. And I'm saying to myself, oh, excuse me, sir, is this a caramel latte? To which he responds to me, you ordered a mocha latte. So, you know, the, the humble, loving man of God that I am, I say, uh, no, excuse me, sir, it might be a mistake. Maybe we misheard each other, there's miscommunication here. And so what I ordered was a a medium iced caramel latte with oat milk and a little bit of drizzle on top of the whipped cream with less ice, please. And he goes, this is what he said to me. Would you believe this to your loving pastor? This is what he said. He said, listen, if you wanted to change your mind, you could change your mind. But you ordered a mocha latte. And at this point, I'm like, Ashton Kutcher's coming out. Because I'm there, this is before Matrix, so I didn't have the emotional fortitude, nor the emotional intelligence to be able to decipher and discern what it is that was happening, that there was a, a childhood trauma taking place in my heart, and I didn't know how to respond, so I reacted. And I said, excuse me, sir. I have never in the history of me coming to Dunkin' Donuts, the words mocha latte have never come out of this mouth. And he said, I'll change it. But next time, I'm going to make you pay for it. And I can't tell you the rest of the story because there's a court case pending. And so... No, no, but how many know, how many know that it's not, it's not what you say, is how you say, it's the attitude behind it. Now, flip side to that, Starbucks, I can't stand their coffee, but I love their service. They get an order wrong at Starbucks? What? They're like, oh, this is wrong. Forget this. I'll make you a new one. <laughs> now, what, what does that, what does that have to do? Let me bring it home. Let me bring it to the moral of the story. Here's the truth. I think that when it comes to generosity, listen to me carefully, and I really want you to lean in on this. God cares more about the attitude of your giving than the amount of your giving. That's actually what he cares about the most. That more than he cares about the amount you give or the action of giving, he actually cares about the attitude of your giving. See, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart 
to give. It's, a really, it's really a matter of the heart. He's saying it's what you've decided in your heart to give. Now watch this. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Now this is powerful because in other words, it's, it's, you aren't giving because you, you have to. He's saying you're, you're not going to be influenced or um, you're not going to be influenced by external circumstances. You're not going to be manipulated. You're not giving because you have to. You're not giving because someone manipulated to manipulated you to. You're not giving because someone coerced you to. Like you're not giving because of because you have a lot. You're not giving because maybe you don't have enough. You're you're giving because it's already the posture of your heart. In other words, giving is not a behavior you have. It's an it's an identity you possess. Giving is not something I do. Giving is who I am. That's why the Bible says cheerful. Someone shout cheerful. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, this is not suggesting to us that God loves someone who's happy-go-lucky, all, all, all brilliant and happy all the time and just passive-aggressive with their smile. Oh, my God, it's amazing. I'm going to get. That's not what he's talking about. When he says the word cheerful giver, he's using the word in the original language, and it's, it's maybe the only time that it appears in all of the New Testament is the word hilaros. Someone shout hilaros. And, and this means joyous, hilarious, propitious. I think I pronounced that right. And what that means is that there's a joy, there's an enthusiasm, but there's already a settling in your heart. This word means it, it, it's a leaning towards. Like you're already postured, you're already positioned in a posture to give. How many know that we're, we have football going on? Pastor Marquez is going to be very happy of this illustration that I just came up with right now. It's not even in my notes. But how many know that before they, what do you call it when he push, put it through the legs? Pastor Marquez. Huh? This movement, what's that called? Hike. Yeah, that thing. Okay. Before they say hike, some of you are embarrassed of your pastor, but this is a judgment-free zone. Before they say hike, you already got to be in position. You have to be in position. When he talks about cheerful giving, he's not talking about people that get, 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 get caught off guard. He's talking about people that are already in a posture and they're ready to give. Not because, again, of external circumstances. But because of what God has already done in their heart. It's this word, hilaro. So when Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver, it's the idea that you're not being stimulated by outside interference. It's a person who understands that their attitude, their heart, their mentality has already been won by grace and is already inclined to give. I'll say it another way. It's a person that doesn't need to be convinced because they've already been convicted that they're called to give. Which means this. That it's not a, it's a person, a cheerful giver is not a person that gives out of guilt. It's a person that gives out of gratitude. It's not a person that gives out of pressure. It's a person that gives out of privilege. It's a person not that they give out of obligation, but they give of, out, of, out of opportunity. It's a person that they're not giving because this is a burden. No, it's a person that says, I've been blessed to be a blessing to others. That is the, 
That is the heart of a cheerful giver. So let me, let me write this down to us, uh, for us. Write this down. Cheerful givers, number one, write this down, know the source. And we covered a lot of this last week. Cheerful, cheerful givers know the source. Here's what, what is true about cheerful giving. That it begins with the recognition that everything you have belongs and comes from God. That's where it originates from. It is a heart that is already postured in understanding that God is the source. And so they recognize that everything comes from, but it also belongs to God. And I think in theory we understand this, but I think if we were honest today, I think we would, we would say that on a functional level, sometimes we forget that it all belongs to God. I was having a conversation with my, my friend Pablo from Ignite Church. He's a pastor, an associate pastor there. And, and him and I are having this conversation about generosity. And he was, we were just talking about giving and, and trying to be more generous. And he said, you know what's funny, Pastor Roe, a few years ago my friend let me borrow a camera. And I said, that's pretty awesome. And he goes, yeah. He said, hey, hold on to it. I'll let you know when I need it again. Well, six months went by. And Pablo's out there taking pictures. He's loving the camera. He's like, Pastor Roe, I love the camera. It took amazing pictures. Six months go by, I'm still using it. A year goes by. Homie, don't call. Guess what? I'm taking pictures. I absolutely love this camera. I, I know all the ins and outs about the camera. A year and a half goes by. No phone call. Two years go by. Hey, Pablo, you got my camera. I need to pick it up sometime this week. Guess what? Pablo only caught feelings for the camera. He was like, what, what camera? He goes, the one I lent you two years ago. See, what started happening was that he spent so much time with it and he became so familiar with it, he forgot that it didn't belong to them, it belonged to somebody else. So, so I think sometimes what happens is, is that we become so familiar with the blessings God has given us that if we would be honest on a functional level, we begin to forget that it all belongs to him. We begin to forget that, that everything belongs to God, that it all belongs to him. This is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, Paul reminds the church in Corinth. Look what he says. He says, this most generous God who gives seed to the farmer. Oh, it's God who gives you the seed that is allowing you to produce what you produce. Did you catch it? You can't generate the seed on your own. God gives you the seed, and when he gives you the seed, look, look what it says. That becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something so that you can then give away. Which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way. Producing with us great praise to God. What Paul is saying to us here is saying that God has blessed you for the purpose of being generous. This is powerful. He's saying like, 
You have to remember that what you have does not belong to you. It actually belongs to the Lord. But God, in his great extravagant generosity, allows you to hold on to it so that you cannot walk around like it's your property, but that you would walk around like you're stewarding it well. Imagine we lived a life where we saw what God has given us, not as owners of what God has given us, but as stewards of what God has given us. See, I, I think that I need to tell somebody today that God didn't give you that family so that you could walk around like you, that, your, that family is your property. I think that God gave you that family so that you could walk around stewarding it, pouring into it, nurturing, nurturing it so that one day it can become a blessing to others. I think that everything that God has given us is not so that we can walk around as owners, but that we would walk around as stewards of everything that God has given us. So when he's given you family, when he's given you a relationship, when he's given you a mother, when he's given you a father, it's not so that you can say it's mine. It's so that you can say, Lord, you gave it to me. Guess what? I'm going to use it to be a blessing. To others, why? Because when it's a blessing to others, the others will look to God and say, my goodness. So, so number one is that cheerful givers know that it all belongs to God. I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves that it all belongs to him. I think sometimes we need to, I, I think that we speak in the spirit, but I think that sometimes we need to speak to our flesh. How many know that if you have kids... You never had to teach them the word M-I-N-E. They come to your house. They grab your stuff. And they're like, mine. You disrespectful. Didn't your parent? Let me stop right there. You don't need to. And sometimes that we've never grown up from that because we're still walking around with things that don't belong to us. That God has only lent it to us. So that we could steward and we're like, mine. Listen, when you are a cheerful giver, you understand that the earth is his. The mountains are his. The heavens are his. The moon is his. The sun is his. Everything in all of creation belongs to his. It's a valley. It belongs to him. The oceans belong to him. The animals belong to him. Let's make it personal. My family belongs to him. My children belongs to him. My resources belong to him. All that breath that you breathe, he gave it to you. All that strength that you have, he gave it to you. All the eyesight you have, oh, he gave it to you. Not so that you can walk around like an owner, but that you will walk around saying, God, I thank you, and I'm going to steward it well. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself away. I give myself. Can we just say something today? Can we say, God, it all belongs to you. Give God a praise in this room. Number two, cheerful, cheerful givers sow abundantly. Cheerful givers sow abundantly. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5 and 6, it says, So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make, you, to make sure the gift you promised is ready. Now, I read that sometimes with the wrong filter. 
Imagine me showing up at your house, Melinda, talking about, hey, I'm sending Ruben to make sure you give your offering. <laughs> That's some stuff, right? Where I, my background, I'm like, you sending who? <laughs> right? But Paul, interesting enough, is saying, hey, listen, I'm just, I'm just tugging on the strings of your DNA. I'm sharing this with you and I'm holding you accountable to the gift that you promised so that when you made the commitment, you made it in the spirit. But sometimes throughout the journey, the flesh gets in the way. And I want to make sure that I'm sending you brothers and sisters in the Lord to remind you of the commitment you made in the spirit. Because you were operating in the spirit when you said, hey, we're going to bless the church in Macedonia. We're going to bless these, these other churches. We're going to look to provide needs for other people. And he says, I'm sending these people to hold you accountable, but it's not so that you hear it with the wrong filter and then when they're holding you accountable, you're saying, I have to give. It's when, you, when, you, when they come to you, you remind yourself of the decision you made when you were walking in the spirit. Amen. And so Paul is saying that he has sent people to you to help you walk in the generous life that God has awaiting for you. He, he's sending you people. You know what we do here on a Sunday? It's we're sharing what God has placed in our heart. Not so that you would hear it and be like, oh, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. This, this is something I have to do. No. It's so that when you hear it, man, your Holy, the Holy Spirit within you begins to activate and say, man, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to live more like Jesus. I want to speak more like Jesus. I want to act and behave in the same way Jesus and so when I talk about sowing abundantly, I want to give you a principle, another principle alert. And it's this, uh, it's this word called the tithe. Everybody shout tithe. tithe. Now some of you stuttered when you said that. But it's a, it's a word tithe. And this is something that I've taught my children from a very young age. In the first three years of our church, I want to be honest with you, I, I never taught on giving. I never taught on tithe. Can I tell you why? The reason that I never taught on the tithe is because I was so afraid that people would think that the church is about money, 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 money. And I remember I spoke to my pastor who's been pastoring for about 30 years. And I said, Pastor, I need some help. Our church is broke. Can you send me some money? <laughs> I remember he told me, he said, he said, Pastor Ro, I'll send you money. As a matter of fact, I've already emailed our secretary to send you about $1,000. And I said, Amen. He says, so we're going to help you out, no problem. I said, yeah, we're, we're hitting the second phase of our church. And he goes, Pastor, do you believe in tithing? And I said, 100%. I've actually been tithing since I was a 13-year-old kid. It's something that I've been put, putting to practice for my entire life. And so for over 20 years, it's something that I've been putting to practice. And he goes, well, if you love it and you care about it and you, you honor it so much, do you teach your church to do that? And I said, no. He goes, why, why would you not share with them the same blessing and understanding you have of tithing? And I said, my goodness, that will be the last time that I, that I go a year without talking about this blessing of giving. So what we do in our house, we choose to live off 90% of what comes in. 
for the last 20 years, I've decided in my heart that my household will not live on 100% of our income. And so ever since Selah was making money, which she's been making money since she was eight years old. Like, she's like, she, been, she was selling perfumes at eight years old. Like, she was, but guess what? From a very young age, I said, Selah, I want to teach you a principle that daddy has followed all his life. When Bishop, Bishop is now 18 years old. Bishop now has his own car. He has his own expenses. He has his own job. He has his own income. He's finding out very, very clearly that there were certain things he was taking for granted. He's like, Dad, I got to pay for tolls? I was like, yeah, it's $100 to go from Staten Island to Brooklyn. That's what it feels like, right? And so, so quickly he's realizing that there's some expenses. But, he, but here's, here's what I've taught Bishop since he was a young kid when he had no expenses. You take 10% and you give it to God. So now that he's earning his own income, 10%, he takes it and he chooses to live off 90% of his income. Now, I want to ask you guys a question. What is, what is this? It's a penny. How many, how many of you see a penny right here? If you raise your hand, if you see a penny. So this is a penny. Can I tell you what else it is? It's a tithe. Why? Because it's a penny out of every dime. So God says what I'm requiring from my children is simply a penny out of every dime. Now, again, this is something that for me has become easy throughout the years, but I know many people who have encompassed in confidentiality have spoken to me like, Pastor Roe, I know this is, this is tough. This is hard for me. And I'm like, hey, listen, brother. Hey, sister. It's a penny. Out of every dime. My wife didn't believe in tithing. She's like, I ain't giving the church my money. She's like, I got bills to pay. I got stuff to do. I said, baby, it's a penny. Out of every dime. A dime out of every, oh, yeah, I don't know the 10%. What's going on? <laughs> All of a sudden, math is gone out the window. It's like, it's like, Pastor, it's not that I didn't want to tithe. I just didn't know how to do math. <laughs> it's a penny out of every, a dime out of every, a dollar out of every, $10 out of every, a hundred out of every, a hundred out of every, a thousand out of every, y'all yeah, getting lower. A thousand out of every ten thousand, ten thousand out of every hundred thousand, a hundred thousand out of every million. See, God, God, is, God wants to trust you with a million. But you giving a hundred thousand dollars out of a million is as easy as giving a penny out of a dime when your heart has been practicing it over and over. It's true. So, so what does God do? God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. Woo! The Bible says bring your first fruits. Can I, can I show you? Look. These are 
It's amazing. Some of you have seen this illustration, or have seen me do this illustration before, but act like you never did. And God gives you 10 blueberries. And often what we do is, oh, this is all I have. I got to live on blue, blueberries. And God says, no. You have 10. You take one. You give it to me. You take nine. And you live on the nine. See, I don't look at, look, this is all I got left. I look at it as I trust God to do more with the 90 than I can do with the 100. That's what the tithing principle is. It's I choose to live off the 90 because I know God can do more with the 90 than I can do with the 100. See, God can do more with 90 in his hands than 100% in your hands. So then God, God says, oh, no, now you're ready for a, a bigger blessing. You got 10 grape tomatoes. So, so what do we do? I go, oh, man, I got a Con Edison, cable, Netflix. I don't have anything. I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could give God anything right now. No, God says right off the bat. The very, before I look at Con Edison, before I look at the bills, before I look at the rent, before I look at the car payments, I say, God, 10% belongs to you. The 90, you've given me now to live on. Whew, then God says, I'm going to give you strawberries. Now, now it's easier because I've been doing it. So, oh, you gave me strawberries? First fruits belong to God. I get to live off the 90. Come on, somebody. Then, then God says, I'm going to give you a blessing you don't need. You can't handle it with one bag. You need. Come on, somebody. You need two bags. Well, what do I do? Do I live off the 100%? No. I take the 10%. I give it to God. God, this belongs to you. Look, the devil will try to put it right back in your bag. Look at that. Look at that. You take 10%, you give it to God. By the way, you know what I've noticed about people that give and people that don't? It's the same thing over and over. Everybody that I know that gives, you know what they tell me? Everybody that I know that gives. Everybody now that I know that bleeds this thing, that they live this thing, I promise you, common denominator, they all say the same thing. They say, I can't help but to give. And everybody that I know that doesn't says, I don't know how I can give. It's too much. And some people will say, I don't have enough. But some people will say, I have too much. So I say, well, then how much does God need to lower your salary so that you can hasta aquí mi parte, que Dios le bendiga. So what does he do? He gives you, and he says, you can live off the 90 because God can do more with the 90 than we could do with 100%. But what happens now when, when he gives you a bigger blessing? He gives you a bigger blessing. What happened? Come on, somebody! 
I just hit the lotto. I just made some ser- serious money. God, this is just too much for me to give. This is, no, but you've been practicing it with the blueberries. He says, I've trusted you with the blueberries. Now I can trust you with these steroid-looking cantaloupes. Come on, somebody. So it's the same thing for me. Yeah, a penny out of every dime, a dime out of every dollar, a dollar, $100,000 out of a million. This is 100000 It belongs to God. And then I take... Now, now I can have the attitude. God, this is all I have. Or I can have the attitude. God, look at all that I have. So, 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 so. So, I, I need a, let me see who can help me here. John, can you get up here? Jonathan, can you get up here as well? Let me see. Can, can we bring little Caleb here? Let's bring little Caleb here. There's too many Jonathans here. As you, know, you know it's a church. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> you know this is a church. Everybody wants to be the beloved. So... So based upon what we just learned, God blesses. Can you, can you stand here, Pastor Marquez? God blesses Caleb with 10 dimes. He's going to eat it. You know why? Because he's still on mine level. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who's your favorite pastor? It's me, right? All right. See, listen to this. Listen to this very careful. God gives Caleb ten dimes. What is Caleb supposed to do with it? So what does he give? He gives it all. Does it, what, what does he give according to the scriptures? A dime. This is what the Bible says according to the measure you've been given. How many know that if God has given him 10 dimes, that belongs to God, but then he gives John $10? Does he give a dime? Does he have to give a dollar? No, it's according to the measure that's been given. Now, he says decide in your heart. Now, oftentimes you say, hey, that, that means God's saying give whatever you want. That's not God saying give whatever you want. Remember, according to the scriptures, there's a pattern that is held before us. The pattern that is held before us is the minimal standard of a tithe. Now, now I need you to pay attention to this. Under the old covenant, the tithe is part of the old covenant. Now, it's important to distinguish that because we're no longer part of the old covenant, that nothing applies. Let me explain what I mean. In the Old Testament... Or in the old covenant, there's nowhere in scripture that says you cannot lust. That's only something Jesus brought in. What does that mean? That you can do more under the law of love than you could ever do under the letter of the law. Now I'm teaching. So we can do more under grace. 
Meaning we could live holier under grace than we could ever live under the law. Because the Bible says that the law could not fix the problem, but grace did. Come on, somebody. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which means that even the curse that was given to those people that didn't tithe under the old covenant is no longer a part of us. So the curse, I, sometimes I'm going to be honest, sometimes when I'm in the flesh, I'd be wanting to preach that. If you don't tithe, you'll be a curse. You know what, what? With a curse. That's what, that's what the Bible says, and I'll read it in a minute. See, under the old covenant... The Bible says that Jesus came to fulfill the purpose of the old covenant. So the covenant is complete already. But under grace, we can do much more under grace. We could serve much more under grace. What, what do I mean? What I mean is under the old covenant, the Bible says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's the old covenant. I kind of like that. Because it means if you hit me, I can hit you back. But you know what Jesus says? Love your enemies. If someone asks you for a hand to carry their jacket, say, I'll carry it for two miles. So under grace, these are principles that are under the old covenant. And so we no longer live by the law, but now we operate by grace. And so grace, is, grace teaches us to do much and more than the lower standard of the covenant. What do I mean? That's why tithing in the Old te Testament was the standard under the new covenant Forget about the standard. It's the starting point. The Bible says in the New Testament they sold their houses. If I had two houses, I took the property, I sold one, and I gave it to Stephen. Under the new covenant, we could do much more. Are you following me? Now, so, John, God has given you $10. What belongs to God? That belongs to God. God comes. God says, John, I've entrusted you with $100. So, so what did he give Caleb? A dollar. What did he give John? $10. What did he give John? $100. You give according to the measure that you've been given. How many know you've been given a certain measure on different things? Meaning, meaning this, meaning this. That I've been, I know that I've been given a, measured of, a measure of God's grace and God's love that other people have not received yet. So that's why I don't hold other people accountable to the same measure of love that I've received. Because I know that I've received on just, on a, just this, I've been inundated with God's, God's grace, God's love, God's forgiveness. And so I've been given a measure of, a measure of God's love. And sometimes we get frustrated with other people when they're acting in a way that's consistent to the measure that they've been given. See, I know she hasn't received God's grace the way I have. So I know I'm held to a higher standard based on the measure that I've been given. So in the same way, how many know, how many, how many of you know that our boy, Bezos, has been given a different measure? Come on. Richest man in the world. Did God call me to give the same amount? No. Did God call him to give the same amount as him? Did God call him to give the same amount of John? John, if God is giving you $100, what belongs to God? Ten. 
that belongs to God. Now watch this. None of them gave the same amount. But they all gave with the same sacrifice. Come on. If this bless you, make some noise. None of them gave the same amount. But they all gave with the same sacrifice. Because 10% is 10% for everybody. A penny out of every dime. Can you give God some praise in this room? Thank you so much. That's yours. That's yours. That's for you. That's for you. That's for you. Now, don't get jealous. No, John, that's for you. Let me give you the last point. I'm going to put it in your motorcycle outside. Let me give you the last point. Cheerful givers see the mission is bigger than themselves. Cheerful givers see that the mission is bigger than themselves. I'm going to ask Kevin if you could join me on the keys. I want to read to you first, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. It says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Now, I want you to catch this. And when we, this is such a powerful, powerful verse. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will Thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them. And to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Jesus Christ. He's like, listen, your generosity is going to provide two things. Yes, it's going to meet their needs, but bigger than their needs, it's going to be an investment in their eternity. They're going to receive your gift, and it's going to be evidence that God's love dwells on the inside of you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than my wants. It's bigger than my needs. It's bigger than my goals. It's much bigger than, than me. Like, I, I can't live a life that is just about me. I think all, everything about society is telling us today, focus on you. It's all about you. Prioritize you. And the most miserable people in the world are the ones that only focus on themselves. This is now being proven even through science that when you make life about you and your wants and your desires the bible puts it this way it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller oh gosh cheerful giver they see beyond themselves they don't live just for themselves. They don't just care about their needs and, oh, who's looking for me and who want. No, like I'm just living for God's purpose in someone else's life. As a matter of fact, God will say it this way. Take care of yourself with the purpose of one day taking care of others. I take care of me so that I can be a blessing to Lee. She takes care of her so that she can be a blessing to me. I want to read to you some some more scripture, and I just want you to catch 
the mentality and the attitude behind the scripture, okay? I'm just going to read it to you very quickly. This is Haggai chapter 1, verse 3 and 9. It says, Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. I know some of you are stunned that I even mentioned the word Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to live, to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruins? Now this is what the Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put clothes on, but you are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down the timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in, in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but I see it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? 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 Declared the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Now, I want to make sure we listen to that the right way. This is God speaking to his covenant people under the Old Testament law. It doesn't mean that God's going to blow anything away. It doesn't mean that you have a wallet with holes in it. What it does mean is that I don't want to share in the heart of this kind of heart. So I want to share the mentality. There's a mentality there of people that only focus on themselves while God's house was at ruin. I think the church in Corinth, Paul was saying to them, it's bigger. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than them. Can we stand up on our feet? As the worship team comes up. Now let me give you the flip side. Exodus chapter 36, verse 4 and 7. I got to finish this message before kickoff. Come on, somebody. Look what it says. It says, all the artists in, can we put that on the screen, who were at work making everything involved in constructing the sanctuary came, one after another to Moses, saying, the people are bringing more than enough. Oh, my goodness. That's my kind of church. For doing this work that God had commanded us to do. So Moses, watch this, Moses sent orders through the camp. Men and women, no more offering for the building of the sanctuary. The people were ordered to stop bringing offerings. There was plenty of materials for all the work to be done. Enough and more than enough. You know what Moses is saying? Hey, you guys have given way too much. We have too much resources, too much material, too much generosity. You can stop giving right here, right now, until we finish with all you've given. Listen, I await to the day 
that we have to tell our church this is not some kind of like this is not something that is unattainable this is not something that somebody got to sprinkle fairy dust for it to happen this is not an illusion this is not a delusion this is this is something that God has called all his people to be able to do in a church community Acts says all the believers were in one accord one heart one mind what would it look like if 50% of the believers were in one accord one heart one mind is God calling 50% participation He's calling 100% participation. 100% participation. So, 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 we believe, can we put the next slide? If every person at Christ Uncensored gave 10%, if every person, I'm grateful. Do you know statistically it's 20% of the people doing 80% of the work? I'm so grateful that in this house, we have at least 40% people that are giving, 40% of the people that are serving, so 40% of the people that are tithing. I thank God, I thank God, I thank God. But what if all the believers at Christ Uncensored brought their tithe? A penny out of every dime. Bow your heads, close your eyes. And I'm gonna call our host team to come up forward. Within the next six weeks, we're going to be collecting the offering after the message. And then we'll go back to collecting the offering during the middle of the service. The reason that we're collecting the offering at the end of the message is because we really want to give God's people an opportunity to respond to what God just spoke. So sometimes when you hear a message, man, how could I respond to that right now? This is our opportunity. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes before you give? Right there where you are. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've spoken to our hearts today. We thank you that you are God Almighty, that you are the most generous one, that you are faithful, that you are giving, that you are loving. Today we decide that we're going to respond to you. And so we bring unto you our tithe and our offering. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Pastor O here, and I'm so glad you were able to watch this video or tune in to our online experience. I pray that it blessed your life. And if it has in any way, you can help us share this message of God's love with others. You can simply hit the thumbs up button. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can also share it with at least one person on your contact list. Every time you subscribe, every time you share, it gives us that opportunity to spread God's love to a world that needs it. I love you. God bless you. And thank you for watching.